Welcome to the Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart podcast, where healthcare meets business, with your host, me, Dr. Karen Litzy. And just as a reminder, the information in this podcast is for entertainment purposes only and is not to be used as personalized medical advice. Enjoy the show. Hey, everybody, welcome back to the Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart podcast. I am your host, Karen Litzy owner of Karen Litzy Physical Therapy based in New York City. On today's episode, we are going to be talking about the entrepreneurial journey starting from nothing grassroots and growing and selling that business and creating a new one. So to help us through this journey today, I am happy to have on the program Chad Price, an accomplished serial entrepreneur who orchestrated Kettlebell King's multi-million dollar acquisition, earning global recognition in the Inc. 5000. In 2019, he ventured into the world of natural lifestyle products with Life Grows Green, Challenging Hemp Stereotypes. His book, Preparing for Battle, equips aspiring entrepreneurs with invaluable strategies for success, including winning mindsets, effective planning, team building, and scaling. So big thanks to Chad for joining us and a big thank you to you for tuning in today. Hey, Chad, welcome to the podcast. I'm excited to have you on to talk all things entrepreneurship. It's a passion of mine and a lot of our listeners. So thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here. Okay. So I think the best way to do this is to just let you go talk about your story from college to kettlebells to green. Does that make sense? Yeah, sure. Okay. People will understand that when you tell your story. (laughs) Yeah. No. So, I mean, I think, uh, you know, like anybody, when I, I, I play college football. So after I graduated playing, um, I, like anyone else, was trying to figure out what I wanted to do after college. And I started off with a couple different jobs. I worked in construction. Um, I worked in sales. I, I ended up with my best job or my most uh, profitable job, if you will, being in oil and gas. And when I was at that job, I really had kind of worked many different careers um, or at least gotten a taste or a, a feel for some of the companies and the t- types of positions at those companies. Um, and I started to realize that if I wanted to start my own business, it was kind of now or never. And when I say now or never, it was just like the investment of the time that I had to put in at that job versus, you know, me quitting and going somewhere else. You know, it was worth either kind of starting over in the future if I needed to or, um you know, really buckling down and saying, this is what I'm going to do for the next 15, 20 years. And I made the decision to basically put a kind of a council or a a group together, two of my friends, and we just started our own business. We didn't really know what we wanted to do at the time when we started. So we just um, ended up putting, you know, a a undisclosed amount of our savings into a, a savings account. And we just started from there. And so your first company was Kettlebell, Kettlebell Kings, right? So talk a little bit about forming that company with friends, which I'm sure has its pluses and minuses, its pros and cons. And then I know a lot of people are in this in this podcast and even in the physical therapy world where I am, we're always interested in exit strategies, right? So if you can talk a little bit about kind of forming this company why you decided to go with that much of a niche because that is that if you know that's a niche business just kettlebells right so talk a little bit more about that company its evolution and finally your your exit out 
Well, when I started that company, you know, I was still working in oil and gas and I really didn't know. I knew that I wanted to build kind of a niche brand, but we didn't know when we started what it was going to encompass. So, we, you know, it was something that was going to be virtual, something that was going to be able to sell online. So e-commerce. But other than that, we were kind of leaving the sky as the limit. And in our personal journeys, we were also trying to figure out kind of fitness and health after, let's say, competitive sports. And me looking for a fitness and wellness kind of routine led to me looking at home workouts and then kind of minimal space workouts, minimum tool type workouts and kettlebells just were kind of fit every kind of checkbox for me. So I love the fact that I could personally get one kettlebell and get a great workout in, you know, spend some time just in one area with a kettlebell, moving it around in different kind of functional ways. I really love that aspect about it. And I never trained like that you know, training for football or when I played competitively. So that overlapped with the fact that the kettlebells are becoming more and more popular. So people kind of knew about it, but it wasn't nearly as popular as it was now in 2012 mm-hmm. when we started. Um, it was just starting like Rogue and CrossFit and these things were just starting to kind of bring people into what a kettlebell was. And there were all these kind of online communities of different kettlebell enthusiasts and they kind of didn't realize they were all part of the same tribe. You know, you had your kettlebell sport people, the, um, you know, more functional fitness. You got people who love heavy kettlebells. So, you know, we tried to let's create a world, a virtual space in which we can really appreciate every enthusiast out there that loves this tool. And then we can carry the best ones. Uh, So when we started, we weren't even trying to be a, let's say, a kettlebell company that manufactured kettlebells. We wanted to be more than that. We wanted to be a kettlebell superstore that had all the best kettlebells in the world, whether no matter where they were sourced or came from. And more importantly, we wanted to kind of be the, the content generator and the content source for the kettlebell world. So, you know, we will use the, I would use the phrase, we want to be at the ESPN of the kettlebell world. We want to bring every single piece of news that's relevant to a kettlebell enthusiast and put that in one place and create pro- production relationships with influencers and things like that to really grow and build the company. When, when I started, we had no idea that uh, we were going to sell the company. And so sometimes there's a little lessons and, you know, a, a kind of a quite a bit of experience that you get from being naive in that way. Um, so we spent the first five years of the company not even paying ourselves at all, which is not recommended for me at, right. at all. You know, I don't recommend that to anyone. That is a hard road to go down. Uh-huh. Luckily, luckily for me, I see myself as a serial entrepreneur. So at the same time, I'd started a nail salon. So I had been running a nail salon and the kettlebell business at the same time. The nail, the nail salon provided me with some cash flow. Um, you know, it was quick to get up and running. I had a background in construction, so I could kind of build everything out myself. My girlfriend was very creative and she could actually do nail art. So really, I was managing the business operations and kind of the, the back office of it. And that just also allowed me to play these different kind of social communities off of one another where one, I'm trying to build a, you know, a luxury creative um, community of people who appreciate art and the, the, even the price point for let's say luxury nails and, and things like that versus the other one I'm trying to kind of create like more of an underground, you know, street level brand that has some lifestyle and kind of a cool factor to it where people would want to wear this on a shirt and, be associated with the brand mm-hmm. outside of just, you know, the, the fitness space. So for me, all of that kind of led into at that five, six year period when we said, okay, how are we going to really turn this around? We started doing other things to 
at that point focus on the real expansion of the business. And ultimately that, that kind of led to the acquisition. And it sounds like in both of those, both of these ventures that building a community was a big part of the success of these businesses. So what advice do you have to entrepreneurs who may not know how to do that? Because building a community, it's not like it's easy, right? So what advice do you have for people to help build a community around your brand? Well, I mean, for for I think it just depends on what space you're in. And I think you have to look at it in somewhat of a competitive way. So the way I look at building the communities for whether it was nails or whether it was kettlebells was, you know, I want to be at the place where people are competing and trying to support these types of initiatives. So um, for nails, for example, you know, there were art shows, nail, nail art competitions. We would host nail art competitions, post that content online. We would challenge people to send us things to do so we can post that type of content. And, you know, we'd have every week we'd have a nail art challenge where all the girls would get together and we just spend time doing art. And then we post the winners and then people would say next next week, can you guys do this? And it's really about literally trying to be the best in that space, trying to provide even from a content generation perspective, something that's custom, something that they can't just get anywhere. Um, and then when it came to kettlebells, it was the kind of the complete opposite of that. We had no idea how to create kettlebell content. We hadn't, I, that was my first time even really using a kettlebell, let's say in the, in the year up into starting the company, that was the first time I ever really picked up a kettlebell and used it, um, as a workout tool. But I knew that there were organizations on the ground that were doing that. And so I went out and partnered with those organizations, sponsored, every single kettlebell sport organization that was in America, any kettlebell sport lifting team, we, we sponsored, they had a kettlebell lifting event here in town that we sponsored and recorded a bunch of content for. And I really just put the community before us and mm -hmm. kind of let them design this system of what things do you guys like? And doing that for a year after year after year, you get really good at kind of aggregating everyone together and, and building more of like a production company of, of content. So, you know, it wasn't Chad Price that decided that this content was the best content for the community. It was me designing a system that allowed me to go trial and error, trial and error until I built a bigger and bigger community of enthusiasts. Right. So it sounds like you're reaching out to influencers, you're reaching out to people who are already in the community, partnering and saying to them, what can I do to help? What can I Versus, do to help? I think is, yeah. yeah. I think that's a great way to put it because I think a lot of times where people make mistakes in building communities is you think you can just buy it. Um, and if you, if you have unlimited money, if you know, if you're Uber and you're, you're, yeah, you're raising I mean, hundreds, hundreds of millions, then yes, technically <laughs> you can buy it. Uh -huh. But if you're just the average Joe like me and you're trying to actually build a community, then you're, you're building it from it being something that's genuine and organic that people genuinely want. So mm -hmm. when I'm partnering with these um, affiliates or influencers, whatever category you want to put those in, you know, we were doing this before the term fitness influencer or even the term influencer existed. Right. We were just trying to find the people who were making credible content for that space and see how we can amplify what they're already doing. And we want to provide value, whether that's through equipment, whether that's through, you know, co-promotions, uh, supporting events. We'll do everything that we can. We honestly try to stay away from the exchanging of money because that, a lot of time that kind of clouds the, mm -hmm. the mission of, 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 the, of the purpose of, you know, why both of you guys are there. So 
for us at a certain point, it was almost like people had to come join this if they wanted their content to get out there because it was the best thing in town. You know, I, I tell yeah. people all the time, ESPN doesn't pay for interviews. And the reason they don't is because they have built that credibility and that kind of um, that fan base that anyone that has any sense will take the interview because it'll be more promotional for them than anything. Right. Absolutely. And so, you know, you, you have kettlebell Kings, you've built it up, right? You're, you're at that five-year mark, you're moving forward. Maybe you're starting to pay yourself a little bit now, hopefully. So you're moving forward. And then when do you know you get to the point where you're like, okay, we, an opportunity comes whether it's a buyout or are you actively seeking an exit plan at this point? How do you know when that time comes? Well, for, I mean, I think it looks different for a bunch of different people, Mm -hmm. Um, but for, for us, you know, when we decided, okay, we need to really need to do this and expand and be able to pay ourselves and do everything we want to do with the brand. We actually started a new company with the same company. So we kind of started a sister company called Living Fit that would host everything besides kettlebells as well as our virtual and digital products. So we were creating, you know, certifications and mm-hmm. um, workouts and programs, you name it, anything that you could digitally download in the fitness space, we would put that under this brand and then we would keep expanding the kettlebell brand in its niche. Uh, well, that that went well, but then that led to kind of different problems where now you're having to allocate resources accordingly. You're having to, to grow kind of with maybe conflicting to, uh, initiatives uh, between the brands and different things like that. So at a certain point, you really had to decide, OK, which company are you going to put most of the effort into, mm-hmm. which, more, which, which has more potential, which has which one's more lucrative. It's a bunch of decisions that need to be made there. And so in knowing that and trying to fund the expansion of the inventory, that's really what led us to, hey, people are actually making us offers and trying to get a piece of the company, mm-hmm. get majority ownership of the company. So once we started kind of looking for a financing route to expand on our inventory, that's when those talks really started happening. And that was, you know, if you're starting, but we started at that five-year point, started a new company, maybe two years after that. So at the seven, eight-year point, we really realized we need to start uh, finding something that's going to give us the inventory financing to, to blow this thing up. Right. Right. Just to, to be sustainable for the future and not just for now. Yeah. 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 Especially with other countries and things like that. Of course. Yeah. 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 So it also sounds like because you're, most of this is digital, correct? I mean, obviously the nail nails are not, but like, yeah, I was going to say it's, it's, it's most of what I do is digital, but if you're talking about where the revenue comes from, it's a lot in the hardware. So, you know, the digital sales is quite a bit less than the hardware sales. Mm -hmm. And we were trying to change that, trying to add additional um, digital revenue streams and things like that. But when it comes to that niche of kettlebell Kings, it's nothing beats that, that logo on a hard piece of iron that you're going to have for a life. Right. Right. Yeah, that's, that's a hard thing to beat. So I assume in all of this and, and even moving through into where you are now, there's a lot of tools, whether it be digital tools, mainly that one needs to successfully navigate this type of entrepreneurial journey. So would you mind sharing some of the tools that you use that you feel like if I didn't have this blank, I don't know 
that I would have been as successful in my past and in my present business? Um, I mean, I wouldn't even narrow it to one tool. If oh, I, I mean, had, it could be no, several. I was going yeah. to say, if I had to pick a company, it'd probably be Google just because I've used so many of their tools. Right. And so many of them are free and you can get so much use out of them. I mean, uh, it was, we actually, we worked with Google. Um, it was in 2019, I believe. I actually spoke at, at Congress about the use of digital tools and how they help small businesses compete on a large scale because without these kind of free tools that are able to put this information in, in a way to make me kind of a, my own accounting team, my own, mm -hmm. you know, marketing, uh, marketing team, whatever team you want to think of at a, as a large corporation, you can create a virtual version of that for yourself using these types of tools. And now if you couple that with AI and the different things that you can literally take and transcribe every single conversation that you ever have you can you can transcribe meetings you can um you know you can transcribe your old content and then sort that content in ai tools to to see what relevant information and nuggets you want to pull out of that so i think the sky is on is is, is the limit when you think about just using those tools and trying to think that way about life and, and about solving problems i never try to solve problems the the old way so you know even in my free time, I'm usually thinking about, okay, what tools can I integrate into my decision making mm -hmm. or into my productivity that's going to put me on another level or put me ahead of someone else? And I think, if, you know, if you're anybody with a brain, you can figure out so many ways that things like AI can do that right now. Sure, sure. Absolutely. And it's it's ever growing. I mean, I use AI for this podcast to transcribe everything, to timestamp, to do all the social media I use a pod, uh, a platform called um, swellai.com and it's great. It's affordable. I don't have to do it myself. So it's freeing up a lot of my time, like you were saying. Um, when you're using Google tools, what in, in the Google suite of tools, which ones are you using? Because I think a lot of people are might be thinking, oh, so he's just Googling what to do. Do you know yeah. what I mean? So it's yeah, no, not, I just I... use Google Google search only. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I think there's so many, right? Like if you just talk about the, their office type tools where you got the, you know, Google Sheets and Words mm -hmm. and Slides. Um, but then you can go all the way into, you know, Google has a CRM. Google has um, ad, ad campaigns that you run through Google, the, the tracking software for your websites. Um, you know, it, it literally, it, it, it's, if you can type in all of Google's tools, you would be surprised at how many there are. We did a list of how many tools we were using. And at that time we were, we were using 29 different Google tools. Wow. So it's, it's almost like, when, what can't you use? You can almost always find a way to integrate their technology. And like I say, it's, it's super affordable, if not free most of the time. So it's almost a, uh, a no-brainer if you're an entrepreneur with a small team that's really trying to make a big impact. Yeah, I mean, we're not all like Walmart here, right? So we don't exactly. have unlimited funds and resources at our fingertips. So to have these tools that are nearly free or free is great, especially when you're starting up, right? Because it can be so stressful. And I, and I think it helps you communicate your ideas better to people because it, eventually you're going to have to kind of digitize or create some type of digital version of what your brand is. And mm -hmm. someone else is going to have to see and look at that and take that and run with it and make it grow and really 
uh, help you make it grow. You know, you, you're not going to be alone if you ever want to be, let's say, a multimillionaire. So the the idea of not using these tools is just going to waste your time when you eventually have to expand and scale. You're going to need these tools to right. be kind of already integrated into your thought process, into your operations. Right. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, so rather than scramble and wait until, oh, I have to hire a couple of people. Oh, wait, I don't have the infrastructure in place. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So you don't you even need know that how in- to do it. Yeah. Right. So, so for us, you know, we we were using, I mean, literally the first day that Google came out with their version of Excel. I don't even remember what it was called when it came out. I don't think it was called uh, Sheets at the time. But when they the first day came out, we couldn't believe it. we were like, yes, finally, we can work in this. And then finally, we can work in a Excel document at the same time and we can share information yep. and we can see each other make edits. So we were using that as soon as it came out and we wanted it before it even came out. So I think kind of that forward thinking mindset of looking for a more productive and efficient way to work with small teams and communicate your ideas better and more effectively, efficiently, yada, yada, yada. I think that's going to be kind of a never ending process. And AI right now is taking that to on steroids you know there, there's right. almost an unlimited amount of ways that you can think to make yourself more efficient using ai and i think we're just kind of scratching the surface on on how how it'll change kind of the way that entrepreneurs and ceos run businesses oh yeah i mean you can use you can now use ai to come up with your social media plan to come up with landing pages to uh do your copy on your website i mean it's like and that's just probably 0.01% of what you can do. You know, it's just the sky's the limit. So yeah, I'm, I, I'm really enjoying kind of playing around with the AI tools. I think it's, it's, um, it's been really helpful for me because it's such a time saver. Big time. You know, and and I don't, so I'm really bad about over explaining things. And because, you know, I, I think a lot. I write a lot when I when I write things. So if I was to ever write an email or um, some type of flyer, it would be overly detailed. I would make sure that it would be a there, scroll there, instead yeah, of a it would, flyer. It would, be, it would be like a licensing <laughs> agreement or something. Uh-huh. Like I know it's in there. Trust me, it's uh-huh. in there. I know it's in there. And that's not what people want to digest. So no. even setting the tones, you know, um, communicating your ideas in a way that other people can digest mm-hmm. or the majority of people can digest. I think that that's a skill you learn through entrepreneurship in itself, but AI can help you drastically yes. decrease the amount of time it takes you to learn that lesson where you can, you can write out everything you want, run it through an AI. And then now you have something that other people can digest pretty easily. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm a physical therapist. We are guilty of that. You're definitely, I've been to plenty of physical therapy. Yeah, across (laughs) the board where, you know, we are over explainers. Um, And I know when I'm writing things out and I'll look at it, I'm like, oh my gosh. So what I've done is like exactly what you just said. I would take what I've written, put it into AI, tell it what I want it to do, who who they are, who I want this to go to. And it's just like, it'll write, I'm like, oh yeah, that's definitely better. Definitely better. Yeah. And that's definitely that, better. Better than I would have done if I sat here for another 45 minutes trying to replace each word and reorganize it. Right. And so, right. And so that, it's that, like, that, yeah. oh, I was going to say, it's not replacing your brain and it's not replacing your content necessarily. It's just helping you communicate it better to your ideal audience. Absolutely. And I, and I think you can, uh, you can try to get away with replacing ideas, but I don't think that that will be 
successful for very no, long. I think I don't think so either. We'll see, we'll see through that pretty quickly. And it, you know, it takes some level of AI prompting or, you know, prompt engineering mm-hmm. to really understand and get something that people really will appreciate and, and want to yeah. dive into. And so, uh, you know, I, I was literally telling uh, my assistant earlier about how, how many iterations you can keep going down the rabbit hole on every single thing you can do. You can ask it to make the tone a little lighter. You can yep. say, you know, okay, this is, this one wasn't convincing. These are the responses that I got from people now rewrite my email based off of these responses and mm-hmm. you can keep playing with the kind of these trial and error types of yeah. methods to just refine it until there's something that you would have never gotten to without you know 10 years of experience yourself trying to get and and like we didn't all go to school to be a marketer we didn't all go to school to you know and and have this this uh a writing background yeah. right so like yeah. i didn't go to school to be an entrepreneur you didn't go to school to be an entrepreneur did you didn't no, I mean, no. it didn't, it didn't exist when I was, when yeah. I was there, I probably would have, if right. I was, if if I was a degree, but yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you're, you're starting to see them now. Actually, I went to Rice yeah. and I think they are the second year or third year into their entrepreneurship program. Oh, nice. They just started one and a lot of schools are just starting a quote unquote entrepreneur degree. Mm-hmm. Are you going back to do any guest teaching? Um, not teaching, but I actually, I did speak or there lecturing. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. I was going to say not necessarily teaching, but yeah, I, I did speak there and, and I, I've been mentoring some kids from there. Uh, nice. I, take, I take interns and things like that. So yeah, yeah I, still, I still work closely with them for sure. And I, you know, I like the idea of a student athlete kind of transforming into a business professional, mm-hmm. or a young adult or an entrepreneur, whatever it is that you're trying to kind of build yourself up, up yeah. to, you know, Rice does take that pretty serious. And so I, I try to support their journey and give back and maybe help some people avoid some of the bumps and bruises I made along the way if I can. Right. And that that kind of brings me to one of the questions I was going to ask a little later, but I'll ask it now. And that's how do you feel that playing sports, collegiate sports, you know, high school sports into collegiate sports? How do you feel that that has that helped or hindered you on your entrepreneurial journey? And if so, how? I mean, I think it's a combination of things. Uh, it definitely has helped overall. Um, you know, when you have such a kind of a competitive mindset, you're used to, you know, grueling practices and kind of forcing yourself to go through, let's say, the discipline of, of being a, a competitive athlete it does train you for kind of doing what's right. And even when you don't want to, you know, putting the team first, putting the company first, like you have a lot of lessons that you learn from that. Um, but it is an adjustment to come out. You know, I, I would tell people this story all the time. I used to have to talk to the, the ladies in the nail salon that I was working with and managing. And I used to also have to talk to the guys who worked in the kettlebell warehouse. And I could have the same goal, but I could not deliver it in the same way. I could not have that same, man, just be tough and get it done type of attitude in the nail salon. And that's not the attitude that I wanted them having with the clients. And that's just not the experience. That's not, you know, that's not the culture at that, at that particular place. And so for me, I was literally Googling like, hey, are there like business therapists that can help me figure out how to talk more softly so mm-hmm. I don't get seen as aggressive and like, you know, Chaz just like keeps coming with these football analogies. And it's, right. You know, and it people are la- like, what are you talking yeah, about? Yeah, it doesn't land at all. <laughs> right. It doesn't land at all. So I think that kind of stuff, it hurt me. But because I'm so competitive and I'm an athlete, I'm just like, OK, well, now I need a shooting coach. I need a, this kind of 
person mm-hmm. to help me hone that skill. So now I'm, I'm good at that as well. And even seeing that to me, it just opened up my eyes so much more because I could say the exact same words and they wouldn't do the same thing. And I was like, man, this is so crazy. Like I'm saying the exact same things, but one person is like, thank you for saying it that way. And the other person was like, you've offended me. Mm-hmm. And now work can't continue. And all I really wanted was work to be better for everybody. And so, you know, I think you, you more important than kind of what you came from, I think sports is a good one. But you, I think learning the lessons from your experiences that you can translate into entrepreneurship is, is kind of what I talk to people about. And that's what I talk about in the book is, you know, I don't think everyone will have that same experience of, you know, playing football at Rice or right. know, even playing college football. I was fortunate enough to, to, to get to that level. You've had experiences like that, whether it was at other jobs, whether it was at teams in high school, like we kind of know these cultural and um, kind of moral lessons that we learn about teamwork and, and leadership and responsibility and, and different things that will put you ahead of other people. But just because you take that more serious, because you have those kind of core values that will bring you a lot farther. And a lot of people, I don't think, understand that the burden of responsibility that is when you, when you choose to be an entrepreneur, there's, you know, there's no one that's going to make sure you came to practice that day except you. So if you don't have that type of discipline, maybe you should let someone else lead and and you can just follow them. So on the rough days, they're the person that can can motivate you. But uh, you know, I've always kind of had that from just my sports background. Yeah. You have to be a real self-starter for sure. And a self-motivator and have that mindset of like, you know, nobody wants to get up, you know, at six in the morning all the time. And they're like, oh, I just want to lay in bed. I don't want to do anything all day. But, you know, you have to if you want your business to move forward and and have sustainability and longevity, if that's what you want. But at the same time, you want to be happy as a person. Right. So if you can figure out ways to uh have your business be successful moving in the right the right direction hopefully that's going to translate into a little bit more peace of mind and happiness for you yeah and i think when you're when you're actually growing i think that becomes part of the 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 fulfillment the fulfillment that you need as well so you know that even if i've made mistakes which i've made tons of mistakes in business mm-hmm. there's not i mean tons and tons of mistakes all of those have just galvanized me and given me more experience to do better things. So I know what to avoid. I literally, when I talk to someone who's on the same journey, but they just started, I can see how far I've grown. I can literally visualize where I was and where I am now. And that, that gives me a sense of fulfillment, regardless of, you know, how many micro battles I won or lost. Overall, I'm trying to make progress and I'm trying to become a more intelligent decision maker and a more, a uh, successful business professional in general. And as long as I'm headed towards that goal, each day I should just be getting closer and closer to that goal. And that's how I measure success versus, you know, the ups and downs of sales for the month, if you will. Yeah. I think that's a much better way to measure your success. And it's a little more, you know, good for the mind. I think good for mind, good for the soul versus just that one sole focus on sales because everyone has those up and down months and you can't tie your uh, mental health and your happiness to that fluctuation in sales. You can't do it. You won't make it. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I learned it lesson the hard way in sports. Even <clears throat> when I graduated from high school, we were really good. Um, you know, I think I lost maybe two or three games my entire high school career. And we, we just drove everyone. And then I got to Rice and we were not good at all. I think we may have won three games in the first season and lost. I lost more games in the first season than I did my previous entire career. Right. Um, but that that also taught me a lesson, you know, like I wasn't. That didn't mean like, oh, my, my life is ruined and I'm going to go into this depressive state. It was like, OK, well, if I want to compete here, this is what I have to do. I, I have to work harder or I have to accept the fact that, you know, I can't compete with these types of teams. And there are other things that I need to put in place. So, I mean, everything, depending on how you want to frame it, can be just looked at as a lesson. If you yeah. are trying to grow, if you're not trying to grow, you're trying to stay the same. Then entrepreneurship is not for you. Like, right. There's like no one wants a leader who's like, yeah, I'm from 1950. Like you, you don't you don't know what you're doing because you're not trying to be a progressive thinker, lifelong right. learner. You know, you're not trying to set yourself up and set the rest of the people who are following you on this journey, set them up for success. And yep. that's really kind of how I look at it. It's like if I don't know what I'm doing, why am I asking people to come follow me? Like I should at least have been sticking my head in and, and getting a feel for what's on the ground 24 seven so that when I'm saying, hey, come follow me. Maybe I don't know exactly where I'm going, but I'm not inexperienced. I'm making educated guesses and I'm making right. um, a logical, strategic path through whatever obstacles I'm trying to yeah. overcome. You're trying. Yes. Right. It, it, and it's a genuine effort. It's yeah. Not, yeah it's You're putting in the work. Just like you would at practice. And that's, to me, that's where it makes it easy for me. Mm -hmm. It's like at practice, like you can tell when someone's trying at practice when they're not trying. And then when they're not trying, like, of course you don't want to start. You don't even try at practice. Right. Like, it's like, what are you right. doing? So that's infuriating. How, yeah. And that's how I look at entrepreneurship. It's like you have to at least be willing to try and, and yeah. put yourself out there. And that comes really easy for me from sports. Okay. So um, I, I still have more things to, to talk about. We're running short on time, but we're still going to get a couple of things in. I do want to talk about the book, Preparing for Battle. But let's, as we, we kind of got sidetracked on your story, I do want to mention Life Grows Green. So why did you, what is it? Why did you decide to go into to start that what was in 2019? Oh, right before the pandemic, right? So yeah. let's talk a little bit about that. And then we're going to talk about the book. Sure. Um, so I started that as kind of a, a, another project of mine that was encompassing some of the other things that I've already done, um, like in health and wellness. The one thing that I hadn't gotten into is kind of, let's say, lifestyle products and ingestibles. And one of the things I noticed with a fitness company is a lot of people just struggle to identify what natural things versus let's say uh, processed things they should ingest or they should have in their life in general. And there, are, I don't see many brands out there that really kind of just promote natural lifestyle products. So everything from the supplements and the things you use, but more into, let's say the actual products that you're using on, on a daily basis. So your pillows, your sheets, your, mm -hmm. you know, the, the, the bedding, the, um, your, the, the facial creams and the, the soaps and lotions and different things like that. So really the sky's the limit when you talk about how many different potential products, just think of all of your, your lifestyle products, but I wanted, I'm trying to build a community around people who really appreciate that and appreciate that option versus a, a chemical or process option. When I started it, it started a lot with hemp-based products. And so you'll probably see about 90% of the stuff we have is some type of hemp-based product. Mm -hmm. But we are opening an Amazon store right now where we're going to have 
basically every other product besides that. So it'll it'll be more of a, a full lifestyle selection of different things from teas, glassware, um, like I mentioned, sheets, bedding, uh, bamboo products, different fabrics and different mm-hmm. things like that. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. And how how hard is it to get all those products out there to the world? It's very hard. And <laughs> it sounds and, like and, it. Yeah, it's it's very hard. And I and and starting it right before 2019, when you go into quarantine, is not the best idea. Perfect either, timing. You know, I I it did is what not, it is. I did not predict yeah. coronavirus. My my mistake there. Um, another lesson to be learned. But I, I I think at the end of the day, one of the things with that space, especially the hemp CBD mm-hmm. um, cannabis space, is it's extremely hard to build a community online because it's there's no real fair advertising regulations or anything like right. that so there's no way to kind of um, build or that spark and generate some type of momentum because at any time your account can get banned it gets shadow banned it's flagged you know there's there's things that'll a normal company wouldn't have to deal with and me being kind of a serial entrepreneur i've gotten i've gotten to see all of the you know the the social traffic differences between the nail salon and my fitness company and my personal and and this and and i know and i can tell when there's they're being treated in a way where it's almost toxic or um you know like it's the borderline violating the 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 whatever rules and regulations of this mm-hmm. particular service you're using that's wild. So that's something for people to think about if they're going down that road. I never Absolutely. even thought about that. It, I mean, it, it's and it's the credit card processors. It's mm. it's literally every single thing. So, you know, if you're paying whatever 2.5, 2.9% yeah. processing fees or whatever you're paying now, if you switch to something that's hemp or CBD based, it'll be 5, 7, 8% processing fees. So, it's 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 getting better. The mm-hmm. you know the green wave is sweeping the nation, and it's con- continuously making things more, um, more of a, a real market where people can mm-hmm. actually compete, and actual brands will have a chance to build communities and things like that. But right now, with just the way it is right now, it's almost impossible for me to build that type of community just because right. the, the social algorithms and YouTube and Google and they they just were not going to really allow it. Right. Right. Oh my gosh, so much to think about, but what a what a career so far for you as a serial entrepreneur and I think it's a good example for people to show them like you can be interested in a lot of different things and you can make a lot of different things work. Yeah, for sure. Right? And, and and I mean, I think if you especially if you have kind of that lifelong learner mentality and and when I didn't I didn't know anything about nails, <laughs> absolutely nothing about nails. And I didn't know anything about kettlebells. And I started both of those companies. And Mm -hmm. those are my first two companies. Kettlebell Kings is my most notable one. But I was training for this when I was 14. I was going and working with my aunt. And she was a small business owner. Um, You know, I was working with construction companies my entire life with a small business owner where I would go and see huge projects. And I was just one small little piece of the wheel or, you know, one small cog in this huge machine. And I got to learn and participate in kind of these uh, larger objectives that teams and groups of people were doing both in sports and out of sports and so for me it's almost like if you want to go to mars it's just a matter of us putting the right team together and figuring out what we need to know Mm -hmm. what we and how how to do it is it's not really something that you need to panic about if you have that mindset well i am willing to learn 
and I want to learn and become an expert at whatever task is in front of me. And that's that's kind of been my mindset from the beginning. And I'm assuming all of that can be found in your book, right? Preparing for battles. So where can people find the book? And I mean, I feel like what we spoke about today is probably a lot of what's in the book, but what did we miss? What else can people learn from the book and where can they find it? Well, in the book, I talk about, um, you know, the mindset necessarily. So when I say preparing for battle, I think that's really a, a more of a mindset focus is you don't always know what is going to happen in that battle. You don't always know um, the obstacles that are going to present themselves to you when you're trying to achieve something difficult and having the correct mindset for either failing or winning, but getting up the next day with that same level of intensity, if not more intensity, because it's going to take more effort than you've ever had to put towards anything to be successful. And you should want it to be that way. If it was, if it was any other way, the potential wouldn't even exist. You're, there, there would be no such thing as starting a, a multi-million dollar company from scratch. It's a hard task, but it's something that if you put your kind of steps in order, you have your mindset in order, you put your life in order, it's just a destination that you can reach and you can chip away at and you can see progress and you can measure that progress and get better at making progress. And you can mm -hmm. kind of take that, that lesson and, and go on and do, and do great things with it. So that's what I kind of try to talk about in the book is how do you set yourself up for the beginning of that journey? Um, and you can find that on Amazon. You can find it on my website. It's on my social media. It's real Chad Price, um, LinkedIn, Chad Price. So pretty much everywhere you can find me, you'll see some something about my book and a, a link to purchase it on Amazon. Perfect. And we'll have links to all of your social media and to your website, chadprice.com, right? That is correct. Yep. And, and to the book on wherever you're listening to this podcast, on whatever platform you're listening to, go into the notes and the links will be there. So Chad, I have one more question. It's something that I ask all my guests, and that's knowing where you are now in your life and career. What advice would you give to your 20-year-old self? Two zero, like I two zero, like you're still still, you're still in college. Oh, you know, man, you're you're deep, one. you're deep in the football world, right? Oh man, that is a good one. Um I would probably I'd, I'd probably tell myself to, you know, to relax, absorb it, absorb it in more, you know. Um, don't try to figure everything out this year, next year. You know, I, when I was 20, I, when I was 22, I felt like I had to be, I need to either choose if I'm going to be Elon Musk or if I'm, if I'm going to be working for this, this company, or, you know, I just had so much pressure on myself that I was putting on trying to figure out life. And I think learning life is, is the most important at that time and really learning how you function in, in society is going to be the most important part even graduating college, you know, I, I, I function in a different way in that, in the, in the world after college than I did in the world in college and not even knowing that it's kind of hard to say, this is what you're going to do for the rest of your life. So I tell myself to, to focus on what's in front of you and try mm -hmm. to gain, gain as many lessons as prepare yourself for the future. That is great advice. Thank you so much. So one more time, what's your website? Chatprice.com. Perfect. On social media, it's at real chat price. Perfect. Perfect. Well, this was great. I had, I mean, I could talk for longer, but I mean, at some point, you know, we've got it. We've got to say like, we're either going to do a part two or we'll have you come on maybe in, in a couple of months again, and we'll talk, we'll talk more. Um, otherwise this would be like a four hour podcast. And I don't know if people want to listen to my voice for four hours. I'm sure they would love to listen to yours, but I think 
I think mine might be a little too much after that long. So thank you so much for coming on. And it was a great episode. I thank you so much for all of your insights and advice. Thank you for having me. I got more things coming. So looking forward to the, the next thing. Perfect. Perfect. And everyone, thanks so much for tuning in. Have a great couple of days and stay healthy, wealthy, and smart. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to leave us your questions and comments at podcast.healthywealthysmart.com.